So we're looking at humanism today. On surveys and in many informal and formal conversations, this congregation declares itself primarily humanist. So we take this opportunity to review the term, then see how it influences our vision and message as a church. In our Roots class, some of you just went through it. It's the introductory class to Unitarian Universalism and to Hope Church. I use sentence starters to break the ice and to get people talking. So the first half of a phrase is on a small slip of paper folded up. And we pass the basket around filled with these slips of paper, and each person draws one out, unfolds it, and generally goes, ugh. (laughs) And then reads it aloud. And I tell everyone they're free to put it back, and they can draw another one, but warn them that somehow the next one they pull out is even harder. Not sure how it works. But you can see, you can see how you might answer a sample of these unfinished sentences. Human beings are. God is. Conflict and war are. Love is. I know what's true because... Not only does this exercise encourage discussion and sharing, but it signals we are not a place of single answers. There are no right answers. Only your answer, tempered by community. The game exposes the work that lies ahead by attending our church. We require you to think and feel for yourself. Although you'll never have to do it alone. We will not hand you a set of clear instructions to life's complexities. So visitors often wonder, how can we be a church without unified beliefs to hold us together? We assemble to ask what has been asked since the beginning of time. How did the cosmos begin? What role do we play in enjoying it and caring for it? Why are we here now? And what does our life mean? What happens when we die? So the answers don't bring us together. The questions do. In your order of service, you'll notice a green sheet, and part of it is a quiz put out by the British Humanist Association. The quiz is similar to those sentence starters. I can tell right from wrong by... It's best to be honest because. Unlike the Roots class where I let people struggle for their answers, this test helpfully suggests some answers. You know, 
life as it should be with multiple choice answers. Yes. You can take the quiz with friends or compare notes with a partner. It's a quick means to see how much of your worldview might be humanist. And as most of you know, humanism is one of our six sources that Unitarian Universalists rely on for wisdom in asking and groping for answers to life's questions. We certainly hold true to the disclaimer that's in that quiz. Humanists don't agree about everything. But there are critical values humanism brings to our religious community that none of the other sources, the Jewish and Christian traditions, the deeds and prophetic words of men and women, the wisdom from the world's religions, the wisdom of earth-centered perspectives, and even our own direct experience. None of those other sources fully embrace the values that humanism and critical thinking bring. So this beautiful quilt made by one of our artists here at the community, Gail Luria. And then I realized, oh, I'm wearing a quilt too. Because I, as I was writing this sermon, I thought, you know, a quilt is a perfect simile for the theological work we're doing together. Imagine those six sources like the various cloths used to make up this quilt. While they intersect and interact, they don't compete with each other, especially coming from Gail's hands. Instead, they come together by the hands of the artist to create a single, warming, assuring, pleasing comforter. And in this church, you are the artist creating your own unique theological cover. Our seeking and questions helps each of us create a cohesive whole out of the many contradictory and paradoxical parts of being alive. Because humanism demands that we heed reason and the results of science in our making sense of the world. It warns us against idolatries of the mind and spirit. One lively definition of contemporary humanism comes from the International Humanist Ethical Union's formal statement. This is the worldwide European-born humanist group, and they have an Amsterdam declaration that they wrote in 2002, and it's printed out here in whole in your green insert. And I printed it out. There are many definitions, but I find it the most succinct and accessible description of humanist philosophy. And you can, as you pull it out, you can see it begins, humanism is the outcome of a long tradition of free thought that has inspired many of the world's great thinkers, 
and creative artists and gave rise to science itself. Humanism is rational. It seeks to use science creatively, not destructively. Humanists believe that the solutions to the world's problems lie in human thought and action rather than divine intervention. But humanists also believe science and technology must be tempered by human values. Science gives us the means, but human values must propose the ends. So returning to our theological quilt, initially I imagine humanism as just one of the colors repeated throughout the design. For example, letting the the dark green pieces represent humanist ideas. And without these different dark greens, the design and integrity of this quilt is impossible. But then the more I thought about it, oh, those similes, the more I realized the values of humanist philosophy must be interwoven throughout all of our UU life. Without humanism, our integrity as a religious tradition is impossible. Humanism is not scraps of cloth here, but the actual thread holding it together and the backing providing a solid foundation. It's the healthy skepticism and helpful doubt that fuel all our questions. Our questions bind us together. Humanism is far from a new idea. In his book, Good Without God, Rabbi Greg Epstein, he's the Harvard humanist chaplain, jokes that humanism is the second oldest religion. You can picture what most likely happened the first time someone came up with a theory about God or gods and goddesses, One of his family members scowled, bushy eyebrows raised, and grunted the equivalent of, don't be ridiculous. If religion is ancient, then humanism and atheism are as old. Because as long as we humans have believed, we have doubted. There have always been men and women free thinkers who question the faiths of their countrymen all across the ages. From the earliest writing to the present day, many choose to look beyond the conventions of their culture and kin to find a deeper meaning solely within the human condition itself. Indian thinkers were penning humanist ideas in Sanskrit more than 500 years before the early books of the Bible. Greek thinkers like Epicurus and Eastern thinkers like Confucius wrote about humanist ideas as did Middle Eastern thinkers. I went down in Ari and got to trace my hand and 
practice my cutting and pasting skills this morning? Well, Thomas Jefferson was a darn good cutter and paster because he took the Bible and took his razor to it and cut out all the miracles and all the supernatural events to reconstruct a single narrative of the life of Jesus. And I, we may have a few of the Jefferson Bibles floating around the church on bookshelves. I was trying to find mine, and I couldn't. But his physical cut-and-paste effort foreshadows what we call humanism today. It began as an effort to root out religious and philosophical thought that might hold these same untenable magical ideas of a divine authority. But humanism didn't really come into our vocabulary until the early early 20th century, last century. It was solidified with the drafting of the Humanist Manifesto in 1933, which is a document born of Unitarian and Universalist roots. Of the 34 signers of that document, eight of them were Unitarian and Universalist clergy. So let me tell you about one, Raymond Bragg. He's the the chief author, the Unitarian minister, who authors this radical document bringing forth humanist ideas that had been floating around at the time, and he calls them and shapes them into this first humanist manifesto. The Great Depression had been grinding on for four years, robbing the nation of its confidence in capitalism. Social and religious radicalism are subsumed by the needs of survival. The programs of the New Deal haven't recharged the economy or the spirit of our country at that point. And Bragg is the editor of the New Humanist magazine and president of our Western Unitarian Conference. He travels extensively around the nation and has a growing sense that the time is ripe for a definitive statement of humanism. So the 19... 33 manifesto is one of three versions and it gives solid direction to this growing religious and philosophical movement. This manifesto uses the terms religious humanism and humanism interchangeably to proclaim a break from traditional religion and at the same time it calls for a progressive reconstruction of religion. This first manifesto reads, the nature of the universe depicted by modern science makes unacceptable any supernatural or cosmic guarantees of human values. Religion must formulate its hopes and plans in the light of the scientific spirit and method. Bragg, in an interview, explains, humanism is the pursuit of the good life 
for humans. Within the perspective of a frankly this-worldly approach to the problems of life. Weary of trying to correlate the conflicting claims of the philosophers and theologians, the humanist sets forth one supreme effort to order his life so that man will capture from nature the paradise he so long has sought in a world beyond. These fresh, radical, humanist ideas are like a lightning bolt for ever-changing Unitarian and Universalists. Other religious traditions are jostled by the manifesto, but we are ultimately transformed as the ideas become part of the whole fabric of our tradition. Humanism blows open the possibility of a Western religious tradition not solely focused on God, not exclusively theist. Back in 1933, while in deep sympathy with these radical ideas, some of the Unitarian ministers viewed the manifesto as too similar to a creed and won't sign it. Still, (laughs) the ideas take root in a significant number of our churches. As time passes, part of the manifesto loses its universal timeless quality. It begins to sound too optimistic in light of the atrocities of World War II and the Cold War. It uses gender-based language to describe all of humanity. And in 1973, 40 years after that first manifesto, a philosopher and a Unitarian minister write a second one. And this second one calls for a strong support for human rights and the eradication of poverty You may be familiar with key lines from this second updated manifesto. One famous line is, No deity will save us, we must save ourselves. We are responsible for what we are and for what we will be. And despite hopes that this statement would encompass all that needs to be said, American humanism continues to evolve. And so there's a third formal declaration written in 2003, and it's renamed Humanism and Its Aspirations, although it's still affectionately known as the Humanist Manifesto Number 3. Again, a number of Unitarian clergy signed this one. It's a document that's brief, and to the point, and says that humanism is a progressive philosophy of life that without supernaturalism affirms our ability and responsibility to lead ethical lives of personal fulfillment that aspire to the greater good of humanity. The life stance of humanism, guided by reason, inspired by compassion, and informed by experience, encourages us to live life well and fully. So, 
this Humanist Manifesto 3 and this description from the International Union really both resonate with our UU principles. They affirm human worth and dignity. They support democracy and human rights. They strive to be undogmatic, imposing no creed. They encourage a continuing process of observation, evaluation, revision, and they value artistic creativity and imagination as really essential human expressions. These most current iterations of humanism say science is not enough. The stereotypical view of humanism as a purely rational worldview is outdated. Science itself demonstrates we are hardwired for empathy and connection. Like any philosophical movement, people begin to use modifiers to describe these nuances or as correctives. So there's secular humanism and religious humanism, Christian, Jewish, or Buddhist humanism, neo-humanism, or some of you may be post-humanism. Some have abandoned the word. Humanism is too focused on our single uh, species or too sloppy intellectually. But the humanist umbrella is a wide-open one. I repeat, humanists don't agree about everything. And as Rabbi Epstein writes in Good Without God, if you identify as an atheist, an agnostic, a free thinker, rationalist, skeptic, cynic, naturalist, or deist, or apathetic, non-religious nothing, or any other irreligious description, you could probably count yourself as what I call humanist. The term I like best comes from a Unitarian Universalist minister, John Hooper. He calls himself a whole-person humanist. He coined the term to integrate our first-person experiences, our second-person empathy, and our third-person rationality. We experience the world as individuals through our own eyes and hearts with emotional maturity. We have compassion and empathy for the experience of all others. And with intellectual maturity, we investigate everything as a third-person observer, as unbiased and neutral as possible. I believe we're engaged in whole-person humanism, at hope. I'm going to call. <coughs> Excuse me. Whole person humanism. We're a community appreciating the wonder of life and celebrating the awe of being alive. Our covenant, prescribing how we honor our differences within community, is our second person empathy. All of our social justice work, second person empathy. Our caring committee and every single social gathering, second-person empathy. And then that rational third-person observer portion of our church 
is the ever-present lens of doubt and skepticism that we use to view the world in our search for truth and honesty. We remain fluid and open-minded as much as we can. Not easy. We remain receptive to new insights and revelations. We are one of a small handful of churches in town. (laughs) Some here would argue the only religious institution to establish an atmosphere that nurtures and encourages an unfettered religious quest. I won't argue numbers, but will say what Hope Church offers is rare and profoundly valuable. The critical and skeptical humanist thread we draw through everything we do affirms how we value a free and wide-ranging inquiry into beliefs. It beautifully stitches together our rituals and our ethics, our joy and our pain, and with it, the questions matter. May it be so.